Hello, hello, it's Nadine here, and I'm here with this week's mini episode of Life, Health, and the Universe. I have to say, this episode might end up being a little bigger than some of my other mini episodes uh, because I'm doing something a little bit different. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that my mini episodes, which fall every other week at the moment, um, I've been talking about some of the books that have had the greatest impact on me, my life journey, my health journey, um, and just general, yeah, life stuff. And um, this one is no different. In fact, this uh, book has changed my life for good. This book's called The 30 Day Alcohol Experiment. And it's a book that I picked up almost two years ago. Some of you will already know if you've been listening that I uh, stopped drinking a while ago, stopped drinking alcohol. And this is the book that led me to that experience, to me experiencing life as uh, an alcohol-free person. So I thought that this was a great opportunity. It's the, we're edging towards the end of the year. We start to, even though we're kind of thinking we're going to, you know, potentially kick on um, and have um, some fun in the next couple of weeks, and we may already be doing that. There's also, I think, at the back of a lot of our minds about what we want to achieve in 2024 and what things that we might want to change. And that one of those things might just be for you cutting back, taking a break from, or stopping drinking alcohol. And I can't recommend this book highly enough if that's something you want to do. Now, what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm actually going to share a conversation or bits of a conversation that I had um, back almost just over 12 months ago, November 2022, with Sarah Rusbatch. She's a grey area drinking coach. And the episode that we recorded, season three, episode nine, if you want to go back and listen to the whole thing, is called From Piss to Purpose. And Sarah has been on a journey of sobriety as well. But she's now become a coach. She's got an ever-growing community of women who are taking the leap and cutting back um, or taking a break from, or stopping drinking alcohol. So I'm going to, so that's my book. That's the, the book for the week. I'm not going to really tell you too much else about it. I wanted to share some snippets of the conversation that I had back in 2022 with Sarah. Grab the book if you've been thinking about um, this for a while. Make it easy on yourself. I can't express how much impact this has had on my life um, for the better. Um, so let's listen to a little bit from Sarah about grey area drinking and what that is. And I'll come back to you in a little while because I don't think that people know a lot about it. And it's really interesting. Um, without, go, like, you're the, you're the professional, you know all of these things, but really interesting how we have these kind of aspirations to be that person who doesn't drink, 
But then we come up with all the reasons why we do drink. Like we have fun. It's social. Like I really enjoy it. I love the taste, whatever it may be. Um, and I guess that's kind of what that gray area drinking is. Would you agree? Yeah. So I tend to describe it as thinking about your drinking as being on a scale of one to 10. So one is someone who either doesn't drink or maybe has a glass of champagne at a wedding to toast the bride and groom. And other than that, the alcohol just doesn't even feature in their life whatsoever. 10 is someone who has end stage physical dependency on alcohol. And what I mean by that is they need to have medical support to stop drinking because if they were to suddenly go cold turkey, they would die because it's important to note here that alcohol is one of only three substances that the human body can die from withdrawal from. And alcohol, if people are at that end stage physical dependency, they mustn't just stop. They have to have medical support. So one out of 10, they are quite extreme levels, right? And not many people sit there. I think we start to get into the gray area about five. And I would say five to an eight on that scale is, is where gray area drinking sits. So we haven't got to the point perhaps where we are physically dependent. You know, And this is why the term alcoholic is so outdated, because if you use the term alcoholic, you're either saying I'm an alcoholic or I'm not. Mm. And most people don't identify as being an alcoholic because we have the stereotype that an alcoholic is a homeless person who sleeps on a park bench, who has the shakes every single morning that, that starts drinking at 9am. And if we don't do any of those things, then there's no label for us. And so therefore we go, oh, I'm okay. But the problem is that most of us are not okay. We could be drinking, binge drinking heavily. We could be drinking, you know, at a really significant level that's impacting our mental health and our physical health, but we're not giving ourselves the label alcoholic. So what are we? And that's where gray area drinking is so helpful to be able to give people um, a, a term to use that isn't alcoholic, but nor is it, I'm an okay average social drinker. It's what's in the middle of those. In the next excerpt that I've included, uh, Sarah and I talk about that idea of how um, alcohol is so socially acceptable and how that can make it uh, quite difficult to define whether we do have um, a problem with drinking. Um, and we also hear a bit about Sarah's own personal journey to sobriety. You know, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable to, to say um, that I had a problem with drinking. Do you know what I mean? Because it is so because it's so socially acceptable to be in that cycle, isn't it? Yeah. And it's so stigmatized to confess to having a problem. Yes. Yeah. And I've actually had times when um, you know, I've said to uh to people, oh, you know, I just want to stop drinking. And they're like, don't be so hard on yourself. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I first stopped, I would say, oh, I'm, I'm not drinking for a while. And people would go, oh, let's catch up when you're drinking again. Like it's one of the only drugs we have to justify not taking, right? Or don't be so boring, just have one. Mm. You know, and when we actually dig deep and start to really understand some of the facts about alcohol, it's incredible the, the, that we have it on this pedestal of all the ways that it enhances our life without actually talking about some of the things that it's actually destroying in our lives. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty full on. And uh, like, I take my hat off to you, like with the way that you educate people, because as you said, 
people. You're not demonizing alcohol. You're not trying to make people feel bad about it. But knowledge is power, right? And you can make some better choices and some better decisions about whether you do or don't when you know the facts. Exactly. Tell us, if you don't mind, a little bit about your own story. So like what um, what was happening? You talked about like your your kids and, and like how that was kind of a trigger to to a bit of an unraveling, but also the the um, epiphany, perhaps, <laughs> and the change. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about all of that and like what was the t- turning point for you? Yeah, so I grew up in the north of England and, um, you know, in, in the 90s uh, era where it was girl power, it was girls can do the same as the boys. We can, many of our role models back then were women that were, you know, drinking with the lads and um, matching the boys pint, pint, you know, pint for pint. And so I started drinking at a young age, as most people around my area did at 14, 15 years old. We would fill up soda stream bottles with Cinzano and go down the local park and snog the local boys. And that was kind of my initiation into teenage <laughs> years. Um, and that was when I discovered alcohol. And I liked it. I liked how it made me feel. I wasn't an anxious person, but I loved the um, what I craved was connection. And looking back, I mean, this is all stuff that I've unpacked over you know, the last few years. But what I craved was connection. And what I loved about alcohol was it fast forwarded connection. You know how like after a few drinks, you're like, you're my best friend. I love you. <laughs> and you're telling everyone all your secrets. Like, I loved that. I'm a girl's okay. girl. And I love the kind of the, the quick and the speed up process of feeling really close to someone, even though it's not potentially authentic when you're a bottle of wine in. But that didn't matter to me at the moment. That was what I loved. So I went to uni, big drinking culture, moved to London, huge drinking culture, um, but never really associated my drinking as being problematic. It was something I did socially. Yes, I socialized a lot, but I drank in the same way that, that many people around me did. I wasn't at home drinking on my own. It was something that I did for fun. So then I met my husband. We got married and decided to move to Australia. And a, it was a kind of catalyst of a lot of things that all happened at once, which was I'd had a big successful career that I absolutely loved and and I got a lot out of it. And so I wasn't working. I had a second child very quickly after my first. So I had two under two, no job, moved to Australia, no friends, no family, no support, at home with two babies all day when my husband was setting up a new business. And I was lonely. I was homesick. I was lost. I was confused. I was scared of my feelings because I was struggling to love motherhood as as much as I wanted to. I found it a little bit monotonous being at home and doing the baby rhyme time and doing all of those things. And I missed work and I missed getting dressed up and I and I missed seeing people because I didn't have any friends. And you know, going back to what I said before, I love connection. So alcohol became a crutch because what alcohol is really good at in the moment is making all uncomfortable emotions go away. And so I didn't know how to sit with emotions because I'm sure like you and many of your listeners, it wasn't taught to me at school. And so uncomfortable emotions were something to be avoided and distracted from at all costs. And alcohol is very good at doing that. So bring in the alcohol. And it was something that I started looking forward to every day. Five o'clock, I can have my wine. My husband would sometimes see me. He would turn into the street and I'd be standing at the end of the driveway with a baby in one arm, a toddler at my feet tears streaming down my face, just waiting for him to get home so I could hand him the children and go inside and drink my wine. And that continued for quite a few years. 
And but I still had my rules. If I don't drink on a Monday and Tuesday, I would white knuckle Monday and Tuesdays because that told me I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink for those two days. Um, my anxiety got really bad because it turns out alcohol causes anxiety rather than relieving it. I'd been to my GP. I said to her, I'm a mess. I'm crying all the time. I'm a shadow of myself. And at no point does she say to me, how much are you drinking? But did give me some anxiety medication. I This was um, about two weeks before the, the event that kind of changed everything. I then had a friend's 40th and it was a big boozy night. I drank a bottle of champagne before I even got there. Um, I didn't eat anything. I was on a mission to get drunk. I'd gone outside for a cigarette and I was wearing high heels. And as I crouched down to put out my cigarette, I fell forward, had no reflexes, landed on my face on a concrete driveway, split open my lip, um, smashed up my face, like cuts, bruises, everything. So my friend took me home and put me to bed. And I woke up the next morning to my five-year-old daughter standing over the bed saying, mommy, what happened to your face? You know that moment where you just feel that sick and that dread, and it's like someone's punched you in the stomach. And I was so ashamed and so remorseful and so embarrassed. And I hated myself in that moment. I was just like, why have I done it again? I've made a complete dick of myself. I'm the most drunk person at every event I ever go to. I can't ever stop at just a few. I always have to be the most extreme. I didn't stop drinking that day. Interestingly, because those feelings were so strong, I remember that night actually drinking wine through a straw because I couldn't actually put a glass to my lips because they were so cut, but I couldn't not have my alcohol. Mm. So I was drinking wine through a straw just to get the alcohol into my system to escape the feelings that I was having. The edge off of it, yep. Yeah. Um, And two weeks later, I said to myself, um, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to do 21 days because everyone says 21 days is what you have to do to change a habit, right? So I said, I'll do 21 days of no alcohol. And I ended up doing 100. One more can I say, the conversation that I had with Sarah 12 months ago was great. If you want to check that out and listen to the whole thing, you can go uh, to season three, episode nine. It's called From Pissed to Purpose. In the last 12 months, Sarah has grown her community exponentially. She's written a book and I haven't read it, but... Uh, And I'm talking about a different book here with uh, the book review that I'm sharing with you. However, we have access to these materials. We can make it easy. We can find people that can support us and be in communities uh, where we feel heard, where we realize that we're not alone that there are other people going through this at the same time as us. Make it easy on yourself. If it's something that you've been thinking about, I can't recommend enough the book, The 30-Day Alcohol Experiment, and or checking out Sarah Rusbach. Her Facebook group is called Women's Wellbeing Collective. If you want to check out the full episode, Season 3, Episode 9, the what the thing that I do love, let me just finish with this. The thing that I do love about the book, The 30 Day Alcohol Experiment, is that it's 30 days. How hard can it be? And it takes you through one day at a time. You just focus on one day at a time. Um, it has been a life changer for me. I am in the next couple of weeks coming up to two years 
without drinking a single drop of alcohol. I can't even begin to explain what a life-changing experience this has been. It's been the best thing ever. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast and I hope that um, you have a great silly season and maybe have a little bit of break from alcohol if that's something that you want to do after it's all over. Until next time, bye for now.